Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Get your Bible out, get your notebook out. Let's jump into You Can Prophesy. That's the goal of tonight's teaching. The goal is to get you off the stands. The goal is to get you on the field. I pray that tonight that this teaching would empower you, that you'd get off the stands, that you'd get on the field, and that you'd be a participant in what God has for you. Friend, every single one of us, God has poured out his spirit on us. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. God has given us these valuable gifts these spiritual gifts, one translation says supernatural or special abilities, and many of us don't use them. And so, man, what a shame it would be to stand before God in judgment and look at all the missed opportunity, all the chances. I mean, imagine, again, this is not in the Bible, but imagine if we stood before God and God showed us all the missed divine appointments. Like how many missed divine appointments does Isaiah have of people that God wanted me to prophesy over that I didn't prophesy over? How many missed opportunities has Isaiah had? I'm starting with me of sick people that I could have prayed for that they could have got healed that I didn't pray for. How many people were demonized around me for years and I didn't pray deliverance over them that I I wasn't Christ's ambassador on a real level. And so, man, we have these missed opportunities and we've allowed the distractions of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and premium this and premium that. All of these things have distracted us in school and work and friends and family from doing the things that God has called us to do. So I don't want the internet or the TikTok or the Facebook or my phone to rob me of God using me in these last days. So you can type this in the chat. You can prophesy no matter who you are, no matter where you are, if you are a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, you're not eligible for this. If you are a believer, God desires to speak through you. And this is going to be a very basic level. We'll go into depth on some things, but I think a lot of times when we do prophetic teachings, it's so over everyone's head. It's so mystical that no one can no one can relate to it. I, I want to be something where it's relatable, it's biblical, but then you go, oh, I could actually go do this. It's actually simple and it's not that complicated. So we're going to try to simplify what the Bible says about prophecy. We're going to talk about some errors when giving a prophetic word. And then hopefully we have time. Maybe we'll just make it time. We're going to do how to test a prophetic word. When we receive one, how do we know if it's from God or not? So the goal of tonight, get you off the stands. Christ purchased so much, but we settle for so little. We have the Holy Spirit and we allow all these distractions to stop us from what God has called us to do. The purchase that Christ made for us for forgiveness of sins and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He said, I must go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. Friend, this is a beautiful thing. And so this is not about Isaiah. This is about the Holy Spirit empowering you. And you can you can speak forth his word and someone's life can be forever changed. There are, mo- there are literally moments in my life that were forever changed because somebody gave me a prophetic word. So I want you to step out and prophesy. I want you to realize there's boldness. Get out of the boat, walk on the water, and realize Christ has given you the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you in Scripture why this is a New Testament reality. Get out of your head that it's only for a special man of God. Get out of your head that only Isaiah or so-and-so can prophesy. Get out of your head that it's a special high-level anointing and you're a lower-class grasshopper. 
Get that garbage out of your head and recognize you can do this. You have the same spirit that raised Christ living in you. So what is the most basic definition of prophecy? Again, there's a, a bunch of definitions. I'm going to give you a ton of scripture, but the most basic definition, write this down, is speaking words from God. Okay, that's it. It's to speak words from God. When I realized this definition, I was like, whoa, it's not that complicated. You mean that I can speak forth words from God? That if God wants to encourage somebody, imagine God wants to encourage someone that's an unbeliever, someone that's lost, or maybe someone that is a believer. God wants to bring encouragement, somebody in the church that's tired, that's wore out, that their spiritual death, and they feel like they've lost their connection to God. Think about this. They've lost their prayer life. They've lost their desire. You have the ability with the spirit of prophecy and the gift of prophecy for God to speak a word to you, to them. Remember, they've lost their connection to God. They feel distant and far off. You can speak a word and give them a word and they will feel like, wow, God just spoke to me even though I'm not in the right place or even though I've lost connection. What encouragement that would be to them if you came and spoke something that nobody knows about, about them and only God can know. Hey, I really feel like the Lord is showing me this about you, that you've been tired, you've been struggling, but God wants to encourage you. He wants you to keep going. He's heard your prayers and you would just bring an encouraging word to somebody now, many of you, which I'll go into later, you have prophesied, you just don't know it. So again, we want to demystify. There's times where prophecy can be future telling. <laughs> oh, that totally just scared me. I still have confetti in my office from when I popped the thing. It's everywhere. And it just flew up off the ceiling on top of me. So that was just weird. Anyways, there's times where people are discouraged, tired, and weary, and you can prophesy to them. You become literally a conduit for God to speak through. You become a a vessel for the Holy Spirit to speak through. God wants to speak. God desires to speak. The lie that God doesn't speak anymore, he only spoke through his word, is not biblical. It's not biblical. That's a lie from the devil. God wants to communicate through you to friends and family. God wants to use your mouth to speak words of life, words of encouragement, words of exhortation, and words of empowerment. So many people are disconnected from God, even in the church, and the gift of prophecy can get a message across to those people who would otherwise not hear his voice. It's also a great way to confirm something. I've had moments in my life where I don't know what direction to take in my ministry. And one time, let me just give you an example. I was in a pickle, okay? Literally stuck in a pickle jar. I didn't know what to do about a certain ministry that we had. And we were praying, we were fasting, we were crying out to God. We felt like we had a word about it, but we didn't know. I was at an event and there was a legitimate prophet there, a friend of mine, I won't mention his name, but a legitimate prophet there as a bug attacks me. And he came up to me and said, he didn't know anything about the ministry, uh, that this specific ministry. He didn't know anything about the situation. And he came up after the service. I, had a, I was supposed to have a meeting after the service with someone about this ministry. And I didn't know what decision to make. We were praying and fasting. And the man came up to me, who's a legitimate prophet friend of mine said, literally told me everything about the ministry, what was going on behind the scenes stuff nobody knew nobody knew and was like this is what the lord says if you'll sow this ministry if you'll give this thing then god says this will, is what will happen and i'm telling you that was the confirmation it wasn't new information but it was divine confirmation confirmation that helped me to make the decision so prophecy it can be telling the future it can be encouraging now but it could also be confirmation for you which we'll go into deeper but i want you just to think about for a moment what an incredible, as we're building a foundation, what an incredible, incredible privilege 
That's, that's what it is, ladies and gentlemen, privilege that we have that God would speak through us, that God would heal the sick through our hands, that God would give us authority over demonic spirits, that God would give us the responsibility to share the good news and to declare to the people, you can be forgiven. What a beautiful thing this is that God has given us the ability and the power to do these things. Like we're not these nobodies. Friend, I don't care where you are. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. Maybe you work at a grocery store or a coffee shop, or maybe you're a garbage man or a policeman, or maybe you're a nurse or a doctor. I don't know. A construction worker, fill in the blank, a business owner, entrepreneur. But here's the bottom line reality. God has given you power and authority to drive out devils, to preach the gospel, and to speak for him. Prophecy is speaking words from God. And it's essential that we approach the gift of prophecy with humility, responsibility, accountability, and deep reverence for the word of God. I will give you probably like 40 plus verses tonight. We need to have a deep reverence and we must diligently test and discern prophecies in light of scripture. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies. So don't despise this pastor, leader, Christian preacher, do not despise. Don't go, oh, that's just weird. And I'm not really into that. And we don't do that at our church. And we're just not like those Christians. The Bible says, Paul says, don't despise prophecy. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. So rather than being like, I got hurt by a prophet, I got hurt by a prophetic word and it didn't come to pass and I'm bitter about it. He says, don't despise it. Here's the contrast, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So there will be some bad things when people begin to prophesy. People make mistakes. People will say things out of line. People will talk about tomorrow. They'll use it to manipulate and they'll get involved in witchcraft and they'll use God told me to dominate and to control you. Okay, so we do need to test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So we need to do this to ensure that the prophetic words align with the character and the teachings of God. We do not want to start giving prophecies out here that contradict scripture. People say, oh, God told me. I have a video coming out on Thursday about this. A recent pastor, I won't mention names, said God told him to cuss to reach more people. Cap, you're lying. God did not tell you to cuss. The Bible says the opposite of that over and over. I give 10 reasons. Thursday night, here's the, the preview for you. I give 10 reasons why no one should be using profanity. So that's a straight lie. If somebody prophesies to you, and I'm getting ahead of myself, something contradictory to the word of God, the devil is a liar. That's not a, a true prophetic word. So yes, there's bad. We need to make sure the prophetic words align with the word of God and the teachings of God. We also need to make sure, and these are just quick heads up as we build a foundation and go into this, that we need to cultivate a fervent prayer life and intimate relationship with God. We need to seek him out for wisdom and guidance when it comes to prophecy. He's the one speaking the word. Okay, so he's the one giving you the word. You need to be in a place of fervent prayer and intimate relationship. Do not come out here trying to be the Mr. Prophesy, Mr. Prophecy Machine, and you don't have a prayer life. Number one, we need, we need, we need intimacy. We need relationship, and you need a prayer life. Okay, I don't know uh, what other way to say it. We need to have that relationship. That's the most important thing. More than deliverance, more than prophecy, more than miracles, more than spiritual gifts. Christ is the centerpiece. Christ is our foundation. Christ is the one that I need to be in relationship. And the rest of the stuff, the prophetic words, the words of knowledge, the words of wisdom, 
all of that is an overflow of what God is doing, okay? So remember that, and also remember, we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Let me show you this. You all have a ministry, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. This is amazing. I'm stuck on this verse. If you've listened to me preach recently, I've preached this like four or five times in the last month because I'm just stuck on this. It's so profound. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And all of this is a gift from God who, look at this, who brought us back to himself through Christ. So God brought us back. We were distant away to us through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So you have a job, you have a ministry, and that ministry is reconciling people back to God. Verse 19, look at this. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20, okay, very important, underline, highlight, write down, note, uh, bookmark, bend the corner of the page. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Okay, stop right there. You are a representative of Christ. Do not give me this garbage of, we're not supposed to be casting out devils, brother. We're not supposed to be healing the sick, brother. That's only for Christ to do. We're not supposed to be prophesying. Only Christ said, whatever the Father says, I say. We're not supposed to be out here. That's not our job, brother. We just need to go to church and warm a chair and just breathe in the AC. False, false. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ on the earth. And then it says this, look it. God is making his appeal through us. Are you guys seeing this? God, so for those, I'm building a foundation of those of you that think God can't use me to speak. Already I'm showing you here. Now this is not, this text is not about giving prophecies, but I'm showing you at the most foundational level that God is making an appeal through you and God is speaking through you. Okay, look, we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Look at this. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. This is what Paul says. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. Are you guys reading the Bible here? This is crazy. We, we're speaking for Christ. We're calling people back to God. And then verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we can be made right with God through Christ. Okay. So every one of us have a ministry, and I'm going to tie in prophecy here. That that text, for the sake of biblical uh, integrity, is not about giving prophetic words. That text is about being Christ ambassadors, and that when we preach in the good news, we're calling people back to God as if God is speaking through us himself. So I'm showing you, that's apart from the gift of prophecy. At a very basic foundational level, you already are supposed to be speaking for God. Are you guys seeing this? You already are supposed to be calling people back to God because you've been anointed and called. And what's my calling, brother? Right here. Reconcile people back to God. That is literally your calling. Uh, we don't have to complicate it. We don't have to get all weird about it. Paul already tells us you have the ministry. So don't tell me I don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. Your ministry is called reconciliation. My job is to get people reconnected to God and I speak for Christ when I say come back to God as if God is speaking through me. So already God can speak through you in that. We already have that, that good news gospel message where God speaks through us. So I'm, I'm showing you already that God is speaking through you when you declare the gospel. So it's not 
much farther you need to go to be open to receiving prophetic words to give them out. I'm ha- I'm blessing myself, y'all. I'm getting blessed. I'm like, what? I never even saw this. This is crazy. Now, let's talk about actual prophecy because one of the things it does is opens people up to the gospel. So here we have, this is all flowing good here. The ministry of, re- I'm blessing myself if you're not being blessed. The ministry of reconciliation. Now, Paul says that prophecy opens people up to the gospel to be able to give them that ministry. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, 24. 1 Corinthians 14, 24. But if all of you are prophesying and an unbeliever who doesn't understand these things comes to your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, remember, you're prophesying. He says, all of you are, if you're all prophesying and speaking the word of God, an unbeliever comes in. It says, as they listen to you prophesy, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship declaring God is truly among you. So there's an interesting thing here. Paul says is if you're prophesying now, first Corinthians 14, we've already taught on this is public church service, but something about giving out these prophetic words or preaching prophetically or prophesying. There's a lot of ways we can take it. There's something about an unbeliever getting their secrets exposed and then falling on their knees and saying, God is truly here among you. Prophecy, write this down, brings the reality of God into a room. It makes God real now to people. When people come up and say, I, when you came up and say, hey, God wanted me to pray for you or say this to you. And I had just prayed a second ago, God, please have someone come pray this for me. I'm, I'm discouraged. God becomes real now. I've had moments where God will say, go pray for that person and I'll give you a word for them. And I walk up to them in the prayer meeting and I start praying for them and give them a word. And then they go, you will never believe this. And this has happened to me over and over again. They'll, and you guys have all probably experienced this similar. They'll say, I was just praying that God, you'd come speak to me. I was just praying, God, have so-and-so come pray for me. And then you walked over immediately and prayed that exact thing. My disobedience would have been them not experiencing the breakthrough God had for them. That is a prophetic word in action, and it makes God now to people. They go, wow, God is hearing my prayers. God is real. So we know that there's something about secrets being revealed when you prophesy. And the word of knowledge, which is supernatural disclosure of information you wouldn't otherwise know. When God gives a word of knowledge, whether whatever, fill in the blank of what it is. It's something you shouldn't know or wouldn't know. And God says, here's a word of knowledge. They're going through this, or this is what happened to them, or this is their this, or their that confirms and it ties into the prophecy words of knowledge are hand in hand with prophecy what's interesting is again paul is not just talking about direct prophecy there's something about when you preach prophetically people get convicted by what you say and the reality of what's going on and this is one of the reasons why i try my best and i think i've preached with notes uh in my in live service probably like three times i've preached over a thousand times in the last 12 years and i probably used notes two or three times when god gave me a specific word i said i got to use notes to stay on this word but 99.8 percent of the time i preach i don't use notes and one of the reasons is is i want to be able to let that prophecy flow there's nothing wrong with notes but i want to be able to let that spirit of prophecy flow when i preach prophetically in a church and people come up and say not oh that was a great word but they go man i felt like god was speaking to me i felt like when you were speaking god was saying something to me directly it was right there what i needed and so that's why i try to not use notes so that i can go and give a prophetic word and have a prophetic edge to me so if you ever heard a preacher preach and you're like i feel like he's talking directly to me 
He was probably under the anointing of prophecy, under that gift of prophecy, where the Holy Spirit just began to speak. And I've had countless times where I'm preaching prophetically, and I'm like, there's no way this is me. There, I, I joke and say, like, I hope my wife's here taking notes. And it's a joke, but the point is, like, this is way too good. This is not me. This is the Holy Spirit taking over and speaking out of me. And so as we're preaching, sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow our notes to become a crutch and we could ignore or disobey the Holy Spirit when he wants to flow out of us, okay? Now, I want to also use some caution here. If we don't step out in faith, okay, if we don't step out in faith and prophecy, do not expect God to keep giving us words. Let me say that again. If we don't step out in faith, when God gives us a prophetic word for somebody, do not expect God to keep giving us words. Oftentimes we want prophetic words over and over, but we're disobedient. Why is God going to keep giving you a word if you don't release the word? Why is God going to give you a prophetic word for a family, friend, coworker, somebody, if you don't release the word? And so let me get very practical. And I've, I've again, a lot of stuff to cover here. Let me be very practical. When God gives me, and this is the stuff I want people to share. When people teach prophecy, I'm like, just tell me something basic. Tell me something I could actually apply. Stop preaching way over my head. Tell me something I can do. This is how prophecy works for me. It might work different for other people. But when God says, I have a word for that person, oftentimes, please hear me. If you don't hear anything, hear this. God will only give me one word or one sentence. Okay. So I'm somewhere or I'm at church or wherever. And God says, I have a word for you to give to someone. I say yes to God. I'll give him this word and God will give me one word or one sentence. He does not give me the whole prophetic word. Okay. Now I will go and I will give them that word. And as I'm giving them the word, oftentimes God will give me more. God will give me more of the word. Now you can also pray, say, Lord, will you give me a word? I'll write down for them. And that's fine. But what I've noticed is the stepping out in faith, the stepping over the point of no return and saying, God, I'm just going to be a mouthpiece for you. Then God will fill your mouth and God will give you words and God will speak through you. And shout out to Troy Black in the chat, who, by the way, guys, has a ton of ton of content on prophecy. He's given me prophetic words in the past as well. So shout out to you, Troy Black. Thanks for being here, bro. So oftentimes it's one word. Again, it might be different for you. I would say a guy like Troy Black has more of that office of a prophet anointing, but this tonight is basic prophecy. This is for the basic, and I'm not trying to be rude when I say basic, but the basic Christian, you got to step out in faith. If you don't step out in faith, don't expect God to keep giving you more words. Okay, and There's no point to, you need to step out. Now, a very practical way to receive prophetic revelation, and again, I'm going as basic as possible, is to ask the Holy Spirit every day or every situation or wherever you are when you're ready to prophesy, again, basic as it gets here, is there anything you want me to do or say? Guys, this is so life-changing. When you start living your life, walking around going, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want me to say? Is there anything you want me to do? Is there a word for this person? Do you have a word for my husband or my wife or my kid or my friend or my family or somebody in my contact list? You go through your contact, say, Lord, is there anybody in the contact list I you have a word for? And you will be surprised. And this is how I know this works or this is is real because most of you have never done that. Most of you have never even considered that God has a word to give you about somebody else. So this could be, again, sporting event, the mall, family gathering, church service, just saying, God, do you have a word for me to give someone? Do you have anything you want to say to someone? I'll, 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 I'll say it to you. I'll say it for you. I'll be your mouthpiece. They're disconnected from you, Lord. They're ignoring you, Lord. Do you have something you want me to tell them? Maybe that nobody knows. 
that will bring your word to them and bring the gospel to them. So try this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, if there's anything you want me to say to anybody here, that's the simple prayer. Holy Spirit, if there's anything you want me to say to anybody here, I'm open. And watch the Holy Spirit give you the word. Remember, he doesn't give gifts if we don't use the gifts. Don't expect him to move if you're not inviting him. Maybe you're on the phone with a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. And you say, Holy Spirit, as you're on the phone with that old friend, is there anything you want me to say to them? Is there anything you want me to encourage them? You have to get to a place where you understand the Holy Spirit wants to speak and wants to move. Get ready for this. Outside of Sunday morning. Oh, that's shocking. The Holy Spirit wants to speak and move outside of Sunday morning. Isaiah, are you telling me? Hold on. Isaiah, are you telling me I can prophesy outside the church? Are you telling me I can speak for God and hear God and experience God outside of a pew or a chair on Sunday morning? That's exactly what I'm saying is that God wants us to get out of the four walls and say, Lord, speak through me. I want to prophesy. Okay, it's important that we allow this. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecy, but test what is said. So quenching the spirit and despising prophecy go hand in hand. Now I'm understanding why my church is so dry. Some of you go to a church that's drier than cracker juice and you don't, you're like, I never knew why my church was so dry because they're grieving the Holy Spirit. They're quenching the spirit because they despise prophecy. Most of your pastors, let's be, let's just be honest. Okay. They wouldn't even think to, to allow somebody to speak on behalf of God or God gave somebody a word. If you said, Hey, pastor, God gave me a word. Can I submit this to you? They would laugh at you. Like God speaking. Oh, God doesn't speak anymore. It's just in the Bible. Go through the cemetery. I mean, I mean, wait, seminary, cemetery, go to the seminary I went to and we don't, God doesn't, friend, most pastors shut down the gift of prophecy. Most real prophets are ostracized from the church. They're, the pastors out here, they're dry. But Paul says, don't quench the spirit and do not despise prophecy. Don't despise it. So it's not from God to despise it. Don't act like it's not a big deal. Well, prophecy is no big deal. It is a big deal. And a, ma a major reason why believers are not stepping in this, pastors not stepping in this, because we're lazy. Let's be honest. We are lazy, period. And this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14. Look at this. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. And then look at what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 14. I should have got these on the screen for you guys. I will in the edit. Paul says, especially. So Paul, what are we supposed to especially desire? Especially. Look at this, the ability to prophesy. Wow. So let love be your highest goal. Would anybody here argue that? No. Everyone say, yes, let love be your highest goal. The most religious pastor in the world would say let love be your highest goal yes preach paul preach but then the next sentence paul says but you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy so no one disputes love but everyone's like well i don't know about these special abilities i don't know about prophecy i don't know about these spiritual gifts they're kind of weird and kind of spooky or you're just kind of dry or you're just religious let's just be honest here or you just are religious and dry and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to move. Because when the Holy Spirit moves, these things happen. Now, some of you might say, well, how do I pursue gifts of the Spirit? The, what you're doing tonight. What you're doing tonight is you're pursue, pursuing prophecy by inquiring and learning about it. So understand these spiritual gifts, these are not for lazy people. We pursue them 
they don't pursue us. Type that in the chat. The spiritual gifts don't pursue us. We pursue them. Now, I would love to believe your lukewarm theology that says, I'm just going to sit around and if God wants me to prophesy, he'll open up my mouth. I'm just going to sit around and if God wants me to speak in tongues, he'll make me. I would love that. I'm as lazy as you are. I want to sit around and do nothing and just let God speak out of me. Problem is, the Bible says we need to pursue these things, desire these things. Lord, tonight, make this your prayer. I desire prophecy. I desire to speak for you. Guys, I'm making it simple. I'm making it so simple. Some of you are like, this is boring. But guys, this is the real thing. Pursue these things. And also, this changed my life. Let me just share this with you. When you think of supernatural gifts, don't think of them as, I used to think this way. I just get a gift and I have it forever and it's a one-time thing. That is not how spiritual gifts work. Spiritual gifts, this is important, are dramatic manifestations of the spirit that come suddenly and end suddenly. For example, a prophetic word might last one or two minutes. It's not something where you're prophesying 24-7 every hour of the day. It comes, the prophetic word, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, it's give come suddenly and leave suddenly. A word of wisdom might show up during a conversation and last a few seconds. A word of knowledge might show up for someone in a situation. These gifts are manifestations of the spirit. That word gift of the spirit and manifestation of the spirit can be interchangeable. These are dramatic manifestations. A discerning of spirit gift. You might discern the spirit of pride or lust or whatever functioning in someone's life, but it's not 24 hours a day. So don't think, well, I just have the gift of word of knowledge, but not the gift of this. These are dramatic manifestations. Now we don't all have them at the same time, but they're tools in a tool shed. They're not toys, they're tools. So for example, if there's a tool shed and I'm building a fence, I don't need a shovel, a saw, a hammer, a post hole digger all at the same time. I just need right now a post hole digger. Then I need a hammer. Then I need whatever. I just need certain tools at certain times. So I can get in that shed and get the tool that I need for the job. And I'm going to show you this. Look at this in 1 Corinthians. This is chapter 12, verse 7 and verse 11. Look at what it says. But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So what did we see here? The gifts and manifestations are synonymous. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So each one gets a manifestation for the profit of all. And then look at this, verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each individual as he wills. So it's the same spirit. If you have it, all those gifts are in you, but the Holy Spirit distributes to each individual as he wills. We don't force them. We don't make them. He distributes them as he will. Okay. These are manifestations. These are not one time you have them forever. These are, so I believe you can flow in prophecy. You can flow in speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, praying for miracles, gift of faith for what you need. You're not doing all of them at all times at once, but these are manifestations, okay? They're like tools in a tool shed. God has given you tools to build. Now, let me give you guys, I'm going to give you seven reasons why New Testament prophecy is important. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you scripture and we're going to go through these quick and now I'm going to give you mistakes to avoid and then how to test a prophetic word. But seven reasons why New Testament prophecy is important. Number one is it's for building up the church. New Testament prophecy is a building up of the church. Prophecy is used to edify, to build up, to encourage, to strengthen. Remember 1 Corinthians 14.3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people 
for their strengthening, encourage, encouraging, and their comfort. So number one is you're building up people, you're building up the church. When believers hear prophetic words that resonate with them, they're built up in their faith. It builds you up. I've gotten so many prophetic words that encouraged me and built me up and helped me go to that next level. So it's for the building up in the church. The Old Testament prophets oftentimes would tear down and then they would rebuild. Now, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, there is a place for tearing down. There is an office and a level you you can be at where God's called you to bring that correction, bring that direction. But that's a higher level of prophecy. Basic prophecy, which I'm talking about tonight, is for building up. As you start prophesying, do not be out here trying to correct everybody. Do not be out here trying to tell everybody their future and correct everyone. Just stick for now with building up the church. That's number one. Number two, and this is that next level, is to help prepare for future events. In Acts 11, 27 through 28, we see Agabus prophesying of a coming famine. Look at this. Look, this is what it says here in verse 27 of Acts 11. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus. So we know a prophet in the New Testament. Oh no, how dare you call anyone a prophet, brother? Okay, this is literally the New Testament. Take it up with God if you're mad about it. There was a prophet who traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the spirit. So he's predicting, this is a predictive word, future event, but how is he doing it? You guessed it, by the Spirit. It literally says it in the text. That there was a great famine coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the writer of Acts, Luke, is telling us this was fulfilled. So he prophesies the great famine. And because of during the reign of Claudius, the famine came. We know this has already been fulfilled. It was true. Verse 29. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. Okay. Agabus gets a word of a future event. He tells the word, he prophesies the word, and the believers are now deciding to send relief to the brothers in Judea because there's a coming famine. We're going to send you guys food. We're going to send you guys uh, finances and whatever you need. If they didn't have the prophetic word, they wouldn't be prepared for the future event coming. And then verse 30, just as they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. They sent their gifts with Barnabas and with Saul. Here's what I want you to know. Sometimes prophetic words come to help prepare for future events. This is God's sovereignty, God's grace, and God's mercy. Let me give you an example of my own life, one of the most profound prophetic words God's ever given me. In the middle of 2019, God gave me and my uncle prophetic word that 2020 would be the year of internet revival and revival in living rooms. In 2019, this was before the pandemic. This was before the C word was around. I'd never heard the word that starts with the C. The pandemic was not a thing. It was no talk about it. I was at a prophetic conference in 2019 and they said, what is the word of the Lord? I was with all these people that are well known in the prophetic. And I got up there and said what God gave me. And this is on record. It's on video. You can find it on my channel. You can find it on my Facebook. 2019, I said that 2020 will be the year of living room revival and internet revival. Everyone else said, oh, it's the year of 2020 vision and all this stuff. Everyone kind of felt like I missed the word. They were like, oh, that was all right. Come 2020, everybody was stuck in their living room and everybody was watching church online. God gave us the word six months before 2020. And what did we start doing? God said, start live streaming. So at the end of 2019, this is on record. I came and said, I'm going to start live streaming. We bought cameras. We bought studio equipment. All of my stuff was set up 
before the pandemic happened. I did not start live streaming because of the pandemic. I started live streaming because in 2019, God said, there's something coming, get ready. And God prepared me. And I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful that he prepared me. And this is all on record. This is all on record. So you need to understand this is what oftentimes God will give prophetic words to future events to prepare us for what's coming. And thank God, God gave me that word. God gave me the word. I was ready. I had all my stuff. When it all broke out, there was no cameras available, no studio equipment. Everything was sold out, but I was getting prepared six months before the pandemic. God already gave us the word living rooms and internet. And I have a whole story about that on my channel. So yes, there's future words that God will often give. I wouldn't start trying to predict future events. If you're not at that level and you're not in that position, Again, we're talking basic prophecy, but that's number two. Number three is for guiding and directing believers. Prophecy can be a guide for believers when making decisions. If you have a decision, as I said, that you don't know what to do, like, I don't know if I choose or not, God will use prophecy to direct you. Somebody will come and confirm the word and help guide and direct you. In Acts 13, one through three, the Holy Spirit's directing the church to set apart Paul. They don't know who should we set apart. The Holy Spirit directs them says set apart Paul and Barnabas for ministry. So prophecy can help distinguish between what you should be doing in your ministry, what you should be focusing on, who you should be connecting with. If you have a decision that you're, you know, on the fence about, maybe ask some friends that might be prophetic and say, hey, can you ask God for a word for me and see if God can confirm his word. Do not become over-reliant on prophecy. We should not be going to prophecy more than we go to God. We should not be going to prophecy more than we go to the scripture. But just know that oftentimes God will use prophecy to direct or guide. Okay, number four, this is a reason for New Testament prophecy, why it's so important. Number four is for exhorting and encouraging. Prophecy can exhort believers and call them to a life of holiness and righteousness. Let me add this caveat. If prophecy is encouraging you to live in lawlessness, it's demonic. If prophecy is encouraging you to do things that are unbiblical, it's from a different spirit. The devil, which we'll talk about tomorrow on the podcast, often will try to sneak into churches and use ministers of claiming to be ministers of righteousness, claiming to be angels of light, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing and they will prophesy destruction. They will prophesy things that are not godly. They will prophesy ends of marriages when they shouldn't be doing that. They will prophesy, give me $5,000 for your word. That's all witchcraft. It's manipulation. It's control. It's domination. It's not God. So be careful. Prophecy should encourage and exhort holy living. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, holy living. First Timothy 1.18, Paul reminds Timothy to the prophecies that were spoken over him, encouraging him to fight the good fight of faith. Look at this. First Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words. So I'm giving you these instructions based on the words of prophecy that were spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight in the Lord's battle. So he says, look, I'm going to give you words and instructions based on the prophecies already given you, and but may they help you fight in the Lord's battle. So these are words of encouragement, exhortation. Oftentimes prophecy can remind believers of their calling or encourage them to pursue God. You might get a word for somebody that's, hey, I want you to remind them of what I brought them out of. I want you to encourage them to keep going. And you might have some come to me and say, hey, God called you when you were a 12-year-old boy and now you're in your 40s and you ran from that call. And that prophetic word will remind you of what God called you in the past and will encourage you to keep going forward. So that's 1 Timothy 1.18. Okay, number five is prophecy can reveal the heart of God. Prophecy can reveal the heart of God and, God, and the character of God. In Amos uh, chapter 3, verse 7, 
We read that God does nothing without first revealing himself, his plans to his servants, the prophets. So even in the old covenant, God says, I will do nothing without first revealing my plan to my prophet. So God will reveal his heart, his nature, his plan. Prophecy can give you a glimpse into God's heart and help you to understand his nature and his character. You will see how caring God is. You will see how loving God is. One of the most beautiful things about prophecy, uh, I love this, is you go, God cares? God cares enough about me to stop a service, have that guy call me out and give me a word? God cares enough about me that as I'm praying, someone comes up to me and gives me this word. God cares enough about me to have so-and-so give me a word. Like somebody called me and said, I have a word for you. That must mean God cares that God stopped them, gave them the word to give me. So prophecy really shows us the heart of God and how much God cares. Number six, it strengthens your faith. Prophecy can build up your faith and strengthen your faith. 1 Corinthians 14, 22, Paul writes that prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. So it's a strengthening of believers. When believers hear prophetic words that resonate with them, that they can relate to, it will strengthen their faith and encourage them up. So it strengthens the faith. Remember, he says, so that you see speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is the benefit for believers, not unbelievers. And that is 1 Corinthians 14, 22. So prophecy is the benefit, the sign for the believer. Tongues is for the unbeliever or the sign for the unbeliever. Um, so number six is strengthening your faith. Number seven is prophecy can expose darkness. It can expose darkness. It can expose plans or tactics of spirit. I don't know why I said plans so weird. Let me say that again. It can expose plans or tactics of spiritual warfare. Second Corinthians 10, four through five, Paul says our weapons are not carnal, they are spiritual. So we can use prophecy as a spiritual weapon to expose the way the enemy's working in someone's life. God might give you a word of prophecy that there's a spirit at work in somebody. God might give you a prophecy. There's a Jezebel spirit working in this person. And God can give you a word of direction, a word of warning, and a word of prophecy. So prophecy often could expose the ungodly works of darkness. When we're prophesying, there could be exposure happening there. Now, there's not just, those are the seven reasons prophecy is so important in the New Testament. But there's not just one way that God can give you words. You're like, well, how do I get these prophetic words to give people? If God, we already know now we've built the foundation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God is already speaking through us when we preach the gospel. God wants to reconcile people back to himself. So how are some of the different ways God can give me prophetic revelation? Prophetic impressions. That's when God impresses something upon you. You get an overwhelming feeling. You might say, I have an overwhelming feeling that God wants to give me to give this person $100, let's say. I have this overwhelming feeling God wants me to go to my neighbor and ask him, hey, is it okay if I mow your lawn? I know you're getting a little bit older. What if your neighbor was praying, Lord, if you're real, please send someone to mow my lawn. And I've seen this stuff happen over and over and over again. So I'm, I could confidently say this. He's in his house praying, Lord, please, if you're real, if you're really care for me, I'm in my older age, I need someone to mow my lawn. My lawn's getting high. The city has a note on my door. And God gives you a word as you're praying, hey, or not a word, gives you an impression. You just feel an overwhelming desire. You're like, I don't want to mow his lawn but I have an overwhelming desire to go mow his lawn. And I knock, hey, I know this is gonna sound weird, but I have this overwhelming desire like I, to, to mow your lawn. Is it, can I mow your lawn? And he goes, you wouldn't believe this. I was just praying that someone would come mow my lawn. So 
a, a very basic and uh, illustration, but that's an overwhelming desire. Sometimes I get an overwhelming feeling to pray for a certain person. The other night, overwhelming feeling to pray for somebody, and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. That's one way you can get prophetic revelation. Also, dreams. If God gives you a recurring dream about somebody or something, it might be God giving you a prophetic word or prophetic revelation. I have gotten prophetic words in dreams. Where literally in my dream, God gave me a word for somebody and I woke up and gave them that word. Make sure you write it down and praise the Lord, we have 3,000 of you in here learning about this, but you might be having dreams that are prophetic words. Now, God can also give you a prophetic dream where you're getting a dream now of something, a warning, something of direction. He could also give you an open vision. You might get a vision and see something in the spirit realm about something or someone and you can relay that word to them. You might get a, a open vision, a vision in your mind. You might hear an audible voice of God. You might hear the Holy Spirit whisper to you. You might have some type of trance like Peter had. These are all biblical things of gain, getting prophetic revelation. Now, the prophetic information about the person does not automatically come with the power to change that person. Many times the prophetic word is tied to the person's obedience. In an example of Jonah, Jonah got a word, Nineveh would be destroyed, but they turned, they repented and changed their ways and God didn't destroy the city. So when you get a prophetic word or give a prophetic word, it doesn't mean it's automatically going to come to pass. The person needs to respond. If I gave you a prophetic word, God says he has a calling on you to start a, a, an outreach ministry feeding feeding the homeless okay and i gave you that prophetic word and you did nothing and you sat around on tiktok all day and never did anything i'm not a false prophet you're just lazy you didn't do what you were called to do the prophetic word has to be tied with obedience so we got to get off our lazy tails and actually do the work now the trouble comes oftentimes when we're actually interpreting the prophetic message god is giving to us okay we need to remember that we're not translating the word God gives us, we're interpreting it. The difference is this, when you translate something, you give a word for word interpretation. When you interpret something, you give a general message. So in the Old Testament, they were giving thus says the Lord word for word. They were giving a word for word translation. In the New Testament, we're giving an interpretation. So God gives me a general message and I don't have to say thus says the Lord, I can just give them the general message. If God says, I have a message for them. This is what it is. I might not say every word perfectly, but I'm not translating. I'm interpreting. God gives me the message. I hope this is making sense. And I interpret the message. I don't translate it word for word, but I'm interpreting it. So you don't need to speak King James. You don't need to, you know, speak an old, an old dialect or speak in a Greek language or in, try to speak Hebrew to give a prophetic word. In the Old Testament, it was word for word. In the New Testament, it was an interpretation of, you know, you could say one way, what you can say want a certain message five different ways okay so again we're interpreting we're not giving a word for word translation people get words and they don't fully understand it so they put their own spin on it we want to make sure we're not putting our spin on the word if you don't understand it pray and pray until you get a translation i'm sorry until you get an interpretation before you start just giving out these words numbers chapter 6 verse chapter 12 verse 6 through 8 Hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, my, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. So sometimes God is speaking in mysteries, dreams, or visions. And sometimes God is speaking directly to you. Still small voice, giving an interpretation for you to give that word. First, but I want you to remember these things. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse nine. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy only reveals part of the picture. Let me say that again. 
Even the gift of prophecy only reveals part of the picture. So when we're giving prophetic words, you need to know that you don't know it all. You don't know it all. I'm, I'm only having a part. Nobody gets the complete thing because remember, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 9. So we oftentimes, a prophetic word is a piece to the entire puzzle. So we know Jesus spoke in parables and the reason why he did it is he said, because they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. They know, but they don't understand. That's uh, Matthew 13, 13. So there's a mystery to the prophetic word. It's not always just obvious. There's a seeking God for the word as well. Prophecy is also the sign. The Spirit's being poured out. That's Joel 2.28. It shall come to pass that I will pour my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. So as the Spirit's being poured out, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Not it's, maybe, ands, buts. It's a gift God wants to give you. They shall prophesy. Now let me give you three things, and then I'm going to give you more practical advice, and then we're going to give you some areas to watch out for, okay? We're not going to go super, super long, but we got more to cover. Three things I believe the average person, please hear what I'm about to say, should not prophesy. Now, before I say it, I would like some of you in the chat to tell me what do you think are topics or things you should not be prophesying about, okay? Because I'm going to give you average, and I'm not being rude about this. Like when I say average, I don't mean to talk down to you, but average normal Christians, not people in the office of a prophet, not people that have the leadership role of a church. That's a different story. This is for normal people prophesying. The three things you should not prophesy about, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, is number one, relationships. You should not be prophesying, God told me you were going to marry this person. That is, can turn easily into prophetic witchcraft and domination and control. Do not prophesy marriage. Do not prophesy, and that relates to divorce. Do not be prophesying, God told me that you need to divorce. Do not do that. God does not need to give you a word for them. They can open their Bible and see what are grounds for divorce. So you shouldn't be prophesying relationships marriages, divorces. Number two, you shouldn't be prophesying babies. Babies, do not be going out here. God showed me you're going to have a female or male. What if they didn't want to know that? What if they didn't want to know the gender right away? What if they wanted to wait? What if they just had a miscarriage? Do not be out here prophesying babies. Again, this is for the normal average Christian. I think it's dangerous when you start prophesying people, children, and then they're like, why well, didn't even want kids? But you're telling me God's showing me kids. Excuse me allergies and it wasn't the right timing and now you're prophesying that i'm you see me pregnant you had a dream i was pregnant it's like do not be prophesying babies no 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 i highly recommend again if you're a leader of a church you're a high, that high level prophetic anointing that's a different story you could use your own discretion but i'm telling you it's a bad practice to prophesy babies and kids over people and then lastly these are just the three big ones money money do not be out here manipulating people with money saying, God told me you're going to come into a fortune, or God told me you're going to do this, or God told me, here's another one. God told me that you need to give this amount of money to unlock your breakthrough. That is not biblical. That is manipulative. And that is borderline, shall I say, witchcraft, which we'll talk about that tomorrow. So if you have these prophets out here saying, oh, well, God told me I need to raise $1,000. There's 10 of you that need to give $1,000 for your miracle water anointing. All, all of that is trash. All of that is trash. Do not be out here telling people, oh, you need to give me 5,000, God showed me. It's even worse when you're telling people God told you to tell them to give money to their ministry. Now, I, 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 it's one thing to say like, hey, I feel like God wants you to sow money to this ministry over here. But when you're out here, just come on now. Why are you out here lying on God like that? 
Why are you acting like God is out here breaking his word? There's no New Testament precedent for prophesying, give me money. It's not New Testament. It's cringe. Cringe. And I wouldn't be following prophets that are prophesying like that. Now, most people that are giving basic prophetic words, this is an impression, like I said, a word, a picture, a vision. Every person that speaks a prophetic word doesn't automatically make you a prophet. Just because you spoke a word of prophecy doesn't mean you hold the office of a prophet. Just like if you are pastoring someone, it doesn't mean you are automatically in the office of a pastor. Just like if you started a ministry, it doesn't mean you're automatically in the office of an apostle. Just because you won someone to the Lord doesn't automatically make you in the office of an evangelist. Don't go putting it on your business card just yet. So we all can speak these things. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. So I want you to know, again, this is the basic average prophecy for all of you. There's a 3,000 of you on here. This is for you. He who prophesies, this is what you guys should be doing right now, starting out. You should be speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edific edification is improvement. It means to make something better. So you should be prophesying improvement in people's lives as God gives you. You should also be exhorting people, which is encouraging them to do something. So if I tell you, you know, God gave me a word that you've been neglecting your Bible and prayer. I really feel you need to worry. You need to focus on that. I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you to do something. That's what it is. So God will give you a word that encourages them to do something. And thank God, because none of you are false prophets out here and you're not listening to demons. You're going to give a word that's going to be biblical and going to have them do something healthy, not unhealthy. Again, if you're like, God told me to exhort you and tell you to give money or do this or get with this person. That's not God, not here. And then lastly, comfort. Comfort means to put someone's uh, pain at ease or suffering at ease. So a prophetic word, if you're in a hard situation suffering, a prophetic word can put you at ease. A prophetic word can bring peace and joy and hope. So that this, this basic level of the prophetic does not usually include correction, new direction, or predictive elements. So we're not trying to direct people's life out here being a puppet master. We're just encouraging, edifying, exhorting, and comforting. So this is, again, the basic level of prophecy. Now, if you get to that next level and you're in the office of a church or you have the role or you're in a position like someone like I would be or Apostle Pagani in the chat, love you, bro, or he would be, that's another level where we can bring direction, where we're getting invited to these large churches where we're prophesying to the church, bringing direction, correction, rebuke, future, you know, predicting future elements. That is a different level. But I'm talking here about the normal average believer that can prophesy. Remember, Paul says, all of you can prophesy. All of you, 1 Corinthians 14, all of you can prophesy one by one. So everybody can do this. We all can prophesy one by one. The prophet is in, is in control of his spirit. Okay, so Paul says, you're not out of control. The prophet's in control of his spirit. If you're prophesying, it's not spontaneous all the time but you are in control of your spirit and we all can prophesy one by one. Now, let me give you quickly here, seven mistakes to avoid when prophesying. Seven mistakes to avoid and then I'll give you how to test the prophetic word. We're gonna go quick because we're already an hour and 10 minutes in. Seven mistakes to avoid when prophesying. Number one, write these down, write them in the chat for those that need help. Mixing personal opinion with God's word. You need to avoid interjecting your own personal opinions, ideas, biases, human reasoning into God's prophetic message. Instead, rely on God's wisdom and God's guidance. Proverbs 3, 5-6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. It's easy and prophesy to lean on our own understanding. Now, for, in my opinion, okay, I could be wrong in this, my opinion, the hardest people to prophesy over are people I know. The hardest people to prophesy over are people I know because as I'm prophesying, it's hard to not, just because we're human, mix in or change the word because we know certain things. The word might be unorthodox. It might be a, a word that doesn't make sense, but because I know them, I try to make it make sense. And if you guys prophesy, you know what I'm talking about. So avoid mixing your personal opinion in. Remember in the Old Testament it says, the prophets were following their own human spirit, prophesying out of their own wisdom and their own mind. So we don't want to prophesy and start mixing in, excuse me, we need to be unbiased. If you're, let me give you another tip here. If you're prophesying, when the flow's done, shut off the valve, okay? When the flow's done, when the words, don't keep giving more of a word. I'll prophesy and I want it to be long. I want it to be this. And so I'll keep going. But then when the Holy Spirit stops speaking, I stop speaking. Don't draw it on. Because what happens is if you have a prophetic word that's two minutes, but you're like, oh, but it's real good and you're in the flow, you might just keep going in the flesh. And you're like, oh, this is not God. I'm in the flesh. So make sure that when the flow stops, you turn the valve off. You stop. Don't lean. Proverbs 3, do not lean on your own understanding. Follow the Holy Spirit has to say. Okay, so number one is don't mix your personal opinion with God's word. Number two is don't speak out of self-exaltation. Okay, don't speak out of self-exaltation. Beware of using prophecy to elevate yourself or to get personal recognition. Brother, can you say that again for those in the back? Yes. Beware of using prophecy to elevate yourself or to seek personal recognition. The foundation of prophetic ministry, Troy Black's in the chat, let us know, bro. The basic foundation is humility. That's the foundation of prophetic ministry is humility. Okay, so Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So do nothing of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Not even prophecy, not deliverance, not prophecy. Do not do these things to exalt yourself, okay? This whole having 10 people follow me and be an entourage and wearing, you know, $30,000 outfits and prophesying and having people bow down to me. No, no, no. That is not the way Jesus functioned. That's not the way Paul functioned. Paul was not having people bow down to him and kiss his feet. Paul was not having an entourage of 20 people and wearing a $30,000 outfit. Guys, come on. We need to stop with all of this. This is what we need to have is humility. This should be the foundation of prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry needs to be humble. I'm not exalting me. I'm not trying to be seen or known. You know, even like we're in internet culture. Now it's like, man, I want to be in a service where there's no live stream. I want to be in a service where there's no live and there's no testimony videos and we don't have to make a TikTok video. It's like everything is online. And I know I'm, I'm online. I'm posting multiple videos a day, but sometimes I'm going like, are we, have we tainted the well? Have we tainted the water because we want everything to be politicized and online and publicized and man, it just gets so like, Ugh, I just want to just prophesy and just let God be there and not have to exalt and be, oh, look at the prophet, the man of God. It's like, I just don't see it in scripture. So we can't be self-exalting. Number three, another mistake to avoid when prophesying is lacking accountability and discernment. It's important that you submit your prophetic words to the scrutiny of spiritual leaders and the broader body of Christ. Accountability will help ensure accuracy and avoid the propagation of false and misleading prophecies. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 21, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. I've said that verse like three times tonight. Te and Troy Black said, yes, there we go. So test the prophetic words. Make, make yourself accountable to leaders, submit your words to leaders, and that will help avoid misleading prophecies and false propagations of just false words. So you need accountability, you need discernment. Number four, failing to prior prioritize love and edification. Prophecy needs to be, this is important, this is good, motivated by love and directed towards building and encouraging. Again, there are times where people are at a different level and God's called them to correct and rebuke. I'm talking about, I have to keep saying it because I don't want you guys to be, well, what about Troy Black? He gives words of correction. I'm not talking about that level. He's not on the level of basic prophecy. I'm not talking about a leader speaking to the body of Christ. I'm talking about the average believer. We need to prioritize edification and love, okay? It has to be an overflow of love. We cannot have people doing out of anger, out of bitterness, out of resentment. We need to encourage and build up. This is that level I'm talking about. Please just don't take what I'm saying out of context. There's other levels where some of these don't apply. I'm just giving you avoid this as in basic prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3, the one who prophesies speaks people to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. So again, re repeating myself there on that, encourage them, strengthen them, ensure that your words are bringing in, infused by the love of God and edifying the recipient, the person that is receiving the word. So number four is you fail to prioritize love and edification. Number five, and I hope you guys are typing these in the chat. Number five is ignoring biblical principles and biblical context. Ignoring biblical principles and biblical context. Prophecy should always align with principles and teachings of the scripture. Do not give prophecies that twist the scripture, contradict the scripture, or fit in to your personal agenda or desires. These need to be in line with scripture. That's why I don't need to think twice about some people knowing they're a false prophet because the, the prophecies go against the Bible, go against the scripture. Proverbs chapter 30, verses five through six. Every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those that take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Whoa, do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. That's Proverbs 35 through six. Don't be playing out here. Don't take the Bible out of context. Don't twist up the scripture like you're at any end's pretzels and doing gymnastics with the word of God. We need to make sure that we are principally strong, biblically strong, knowing the Bible. You, you shouldn't even be out here prophesying if you don't know the Bible. Let's be honest here. Okay, number six, failing to exercise humility in correction. Write that down. Failing to exercise humility when you're corrected. If you give a prophecy, please hear me, and it it turns out to be wrong or misleading or just straight out inaccurate or false, humbly acknowledge your mistake and seek reconciliation. Prophets are not infallible. They're not perfect. Guess what? They make mistakes. Guess what? They mess up. Guess what? They don't always get it right. So you need to use humility and you need to learn from your mistakes. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 says, whoever he's discipline shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Do not avoid correction. Do not run from correction. If you get a word wrong, own it and say, I was wrong. I apologize and move on. But do not run from discipline. Heed discipline. Do not ignore correction because you will lead other people astray. So you just need to be honest. If you get a pro prophecy wrong, hey, I'm imperfect. Just like everybody. Here I am. 
Forgive me, guys. I gave a word that was wrong. I thought it was inspired by God. It was not inspired by God. Obviously, will you please forgive me? The world is not over. People make mistakes. The crazy part to me is there's guys that will take this clip right here and say, oh, you know, if you give one false word, you're a false prophet, you're this. Yet they don't even consider all the mistakes they've made in life and all that God has forgiven them of. Like some of the guys that are the harshest about this have the darkest past and have been forgiven over and over again by God. So how about try to extend a little bit of grace to people? At least they're trying. At least they're stepping out. You're out here just condemning. At least they're stepping out. So it blows my mind how we want grace, but we won't extend grace to those that miss it at times. I honor those that give 100 words and miss one than those that never prophesy or, or say anything for God. Okay, and it's not the end of the world. Forgive me. I was out of line. I was wrong. I thought it was God. It wasn't. I tried. I'm sorry. I'm going to move on here. Number seven, last one neglecting prayer and intimacy with God. You need to maintain a vibrant, passionate prayer life. And like I said in the beginning, cultivate intimacy with God. This has to be the foundation of prophetic ministry. Seek God, seek his guidance, seek his discernment, seek his confirmation. Remember what John 15, five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from Christ, we can't prophesy. We can't give out words. We, we're not strong in God. We're not anything. Apart from you, me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we can't do anything. This is important that we do. We need to make sure that we're in line with this and that we're serious about this. Okay, I have a video already of testing prophetic words. I'll give this another time because we're already an hour and 20 minutes in and I don't want to make this like a two-hour video because then people don't watch it. So we're an hour and 20 into the teaching. I'll link down below the testing prophetic word, but let us pray. Let us pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us to prophesy. You're raising up prophets right now. That, God, you're releasing the gift of prophecy over your people that the gift of prophecy is being released, that we want to prophesy, that Paul said all of you can prophesy one by one. And so, Father, we want that gift. We ask for that gift. We desire that gift. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would release the gift of prophecy. Lord, if you have a word for anyone, here I am. Pray that, chat. Lord, if you have a word for anyone, here I am. God, I am available. I am ready. You can speak through me. Whatever you want to say, God, I will be a conduit. I will be a vessel. Paul said all of us can prophesy one by one and that we're in control of our spirit. So I pray, Lord, that you would release the gift of prophecy over every single person watching right now. All 3,000 people listening right now, I just pray the gift of prophecy would be released over you and that you will prophesy, that you will start encouraging, building up, and exhorting the people around you, that you will be a mouthpiece for God. You are Christ's ambassador. You are Christ's ambassador. And so, Father, we are asking you in Jesus' mighty name, God, help us to be a mouthpiece for you. God, help us, Lord, when, we, when we're tired, when we're frustrated, when we fail you, when we should have been disqualified a thousand times, but in your love and grace and mercy, you forgive us. And God, help us to forgive others and to extend grace and mercy to those that have made mistakes, God. Help us, Lord. Give us boldness. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you've never been baptized, ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, baptize us right now in the Holy Spirit, I pray. Baptize us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name in the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with the spirit of prophecy. Fill us with the gift of prophecy. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Come on, ask him right now. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we want words of prophecy that glorify you. 
Jesus, we want words of prophecy that lead people to you. Forgive us, God, if we've allowed false prophecy or weird familiar spirits in. Forgive us, Lord, and help us. Help us in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Release rivers of living water, we pray tonight, God, that we want to prophesy. It's according to your word. Paul says to especially desire to prophesy. So, Lord, I pray you would help us to desire this, to turn to this, and to seek you and, and seek the gifts as you've told us to. Empower every person. I pray, Lord, that you'd remove doubt out of every person. I pray you'd remove anxiety out of every person. I pray you'd remove unworthiness. Well, I'm not worthy to prophesy. Friend, it's a gift. None of us are worthy. None of us have earned it. Come on, none of us deserve this. This is his gift that he's given freely. So, Lord, I pray unworthiness would be broken. I pray this grasshopper mentality would be broken in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, this grasshopper mentality would be broken. And that we would be bold as lions. That we would go forth and prophesy as your word declares we shall. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give it, get us hungry for this, God. I'm telling you guys, once you start prophesying, you're going to be like, God is using me. This is amazing. And it's not just going to build their faith. It's going to build your faith. It's going to build your faith when you're like, this is amazing. And you're going to realize it's not about you. It's not, you know, the more I preach, the more our platform grows, the more I realize it has nothing to do with me. It is not about me at all. I, I have zero desire for likes, views, comments, shares, people to know my name. Zero desire. I'm going, Lord, it's all about you. My life is about, because here's the thing. All the numbers won't matter on Judgment Day. All the followers won't matter on Judgment Day. You think God's going to care? I had a million subscribers. God goes, what? What are you even talking about? Isaiah, you think I cared about that? No, friend, what I care about is reaching people with the good news of Jesus. Lord, it's all about you. It's all, it doesn't matter the views and followers. Oh, I had a video go viral. Okay. More people heard the gospel. Praise the Lord. But it's, it's not about exalting us and lifting us up and following us and praising us. And man, that's why it's like, I don't know, man, out here, I, I don't even say, I'm not even going to say, I don't want to start drama. I just don't get it. I just don't get it when guys are about them, when it's of worship of self, when it's look at me, what I'm doing, how I talk, what I, how I dress, how so cringe. We exalt you, Jesus. He's the one we point people to. He's the one that we look to. Everything's about him. Everything's about his glory, his honor. My whole life is worthless apart from serving Christ. My life has no value. It's meaningless. Jesus, it's all about you. Let's stay in that place. Man, who cares? Is this silver? Who cares about being famous? I want to be nameless and make him famous and let him be known. Now, it's not wrong for people to know you. Jesus was famous, but it's wrong when the light that shines on you is greater than the light that shines out of you. When you become the object of people's affection, man, I just want to point you to Christ. I want to point you to Jesus. I want you to know him for real, for real. Guys, deep, deep down, I go, God, I want, I want to be pure in my heart. I don't want to let any deception in. And I don't care if I lose all of my friends over this. I don't want any deception in my life. I don't want any darkness. I don't want to be involved in anything that's wrong. I don't want to be attached to any minister that's doing weird stuff. I want to be pure, wash. If that makes me a loner, 
I'll be a loner. But I don't I don't want to be in the in the crowd of popular go through the I'm not going to compromise none of my convictions. Lord, I just want you. Keep me humble, keep me broken, keep my eyes focused. When you called me Lord when I was 19, Lord, I want to just stay focused on that. I want to stay pure. Guys, we got to have pure hearts and clean hands. Are our hands clean? What have we been doing with our hands? Is our heart pure? Is our motives pure? God, check our motives. I don't, I don't want to make videos just for views to be known. That's not pure. That's impure motives. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to prophesy, oh, I had a great word that came to pass and it was national. If my motives are wrong, who cares about that? I want my motives to be pure. I want to do all of this to bring glory to Jesus, to exalt his name, to bring honor to him. I want to lay hands on the sick because Jesus did. I want to cast out devils because Jesus did. I want to preach with boldness because Jesus did. I want to do these things. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost because Jesus was. Full of the Spirit of God. Anointed of God to proclaim liberty to the captives. All of us, guys, our community will be stronger than ever if we stay humble, if we stay pure, if our conscience is clear, if we stay laser beam focused on the cross, every stream exalting Jesus, every stream humbling ourselves, responding to our own altar calls, saying, God, humble me, being vulnerable, being transparent in the midst of people, not getting involved in anything we shouldn't be getting involved with, just, Lord, I want to stay focused on you. I want to prophesy because I want you to get glorified and I want more people to encounter you. All of us, guys, we've all been distracted. We've all gone astray at times, but God just, he wants to draw us back. Because the thing is, if we're not humble, God will humble us. If we exalt ourselves, the Bible says God will bring us down. But if we bring ourselves down, the Bible says that God will exalt us. I want God to lift up and exalt me. I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be the one doing it. I don't want to be my own hype man. I don't want to believe my own press. So let's say focused on that, on God. Let's stay together in unity. Let's stay in the word of God. Let's stay biblical and let's keep pushing forward. We just finished the book of John. Tomorrow night, we're going to have an awesome podcast. We're going to boldly declare truth. We're going to come against every lie, every new age teaching, all witchcraft that's tried to enter into the church and seep in through different areas. We're going to confront it with boldness, but we're going to be godly. We're going to be God-fearing and honoring. We're going to honor, honor people. We're going to value people. We're going to honor ministries and value ministries. We're going to stay humble before God. We're not going to allow the enemy to come in and, and plant pride in us. He loves to do it. He loves, he loves to see it. But no, the devil is a liar. We cancel his plans in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.